Hi there, this is Emily Williams, Disability Advisor for the Diocese of Leicester, and you're listening to the Disability in the Church podcast, a place where I chat to different guests all about disability inclusion within the Christian church. I hope this will be a place where we can learn together, make mistakes together, and spark new ideas together. This episode was recorded remotely during the UK lockdown, therefore the sound quality might not be as good as normal, but the content is still fab. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to my podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today I'm joined by Roy McCleffery. Roy used to lecture on theology and ethics at St John's College, Nottingham. He's written various books, is the Vice President for Livability and is the National Disability Advisor for the Church of England. Now Roy, after I've given you that rather formal snappy introduction, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about your background? Okay, well um, uh, I... uh... It's brought up in Guernsey, so I'm an Islander. I live now in Nottingham, married to Helen. Uh, three grown-up daughters, or daughters that think they're grown up. Uh, a few smattering <laughs> of grandkids, another one of the day away at Christmas Eve. Ah. Uh, um, love music, as you can see behind me, various instruments, which I play very badly. Better at cooking. Um, and that's basically it. Um, live in Nottingham in West Bridgeford and uh, I'm facing the rain at the moment. So that's me. Aren't we all delightful? I should mention we're recording this in lockdown. So that's why we're both looking out of separate rind- windows and still seeing rain. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into the field of disability and inclusion in general? Do you have any personal experience that led you that way? What, what drew you to it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, my calling, I think, as a layman, is to relate the Christian faith to the modern world. I started off as an economist and then went to ethics and directed a think tank and what have you. And um, I was interested in disability, partly because I've lived with epilepsy all my life and was, still is, a father of uh, a young woman. Uh, with epilepsy, uncontrolled epilepsy, until her mid-twenties when she had neurosurgery and it stopped it in its tracks. Wow. Uh, So I was looking about 20 years ago, maybe more, for material that fulfilled my calling, which was to relate the Christian faith to the issues of the day. And I couldn't find anything on disability or Christianity and disability. There's one book which has remained very important called The Disabled God by Nancy Eastland. Um, So I began to chat to people about this and um, in the end I co-wrote a book with a guy called Wayne Morris uh, called Making a World of Difference. Uh, and then I just started going around speaking about it. it opened up a whole load of invitations and uh, conversations with disabled people. And, and that's how I got into it, really. It was about wanting to find what Christianity has to say about disabled people and like myself. Although at that point, I would never have called myself a disabled person. My family didn't regard me disabled. My mother didn't bring me up as a disabled person. 
so I, I wasn't aware of that in any specific way. But that's the route by which I got into it, in, being interested in, in the issue. Mm. So you co-wrote the book and did lots of talking about it. Where did the lecturing on theology and ethics um, in Nottingham come into that? Uh, well, um, when I kind of, I went from uh, being an economist at the LSE, uh, doing research there, um, and took up a job as director of a think tank, where we worked on um, Christian approaches to all kinds of issues from war, race, uh, urban poverty, all kinds of issues. And, and so it was my uh, interest, I think, in uh, relating Christianity to the modern world that led, led me into all these areas. So I ended up being invited to lecture, preach in various countries and do things like Greenbelt and Spring Harvest and what have you, not only on disability, not primarily on disability, but on economics, politics, what have you. And also I was involved uh, with a magazine called Third Wave Magazine, which was a magazine which was about Christianity and current affairs. And I interviewed over 40 politicians um, about their kind of moral, spiritual and personal convictions including wow. people like Tony Blair. And I bet that was others. fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, um, you know, it, it was it was really good to go in and actually sit with these people and uh, say, you know, what what makes you tick? You know, mm. what is that? What do you actually believe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, people like, people like Andy Burnham, I interviewed him and I, it, it's been republished in the last couple of months and I was reading it again and it, you know it, he, he comes over as a really straightforward good guy who's morally very very kind of he's got great moral convictions politically I think so the high points and pretty much low points as well there were some real some yeah. real, real scoundrels, you know. But, Always, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's where lecturing and writing and, and uh, speaking came from. It was this wide range of issues that I was covering all the time. And you're now the Disability Advisor for the Church of England. How did that come to be? How long have you been in that post? Been in that post for coming on seven years. Uh, the, the, the problem is, it sounds very grand, but the the job was advertised as a one day a week job, seven hours seven hours a week. Okay. So um, it became quite a a joke that um, somebody, if I was speaking, would would introduce me as the national disability advisor, and there were people in the audience who would then mouth on seven hours a week you know it's like it was some kind of uh, liturgical response um and uh, there were others in the disability community as regarded it as no joke at all that this was actually an indication of how important disability was to the church of england well i was just thinking that i, I wonder what sort of message that was sending yeah i mean I, you know quite and uh what happened, I think, to rescue it a bit uh, was that 
the Archbishop's Council that runs the Church of England. People think it's God, but actually it's really the Archbishop's Council. Um, <laughs> they set out their priorities for the next few years. And one of them was a church for all. And in that priority, there were various groups mentioned. And one of them was disabled people. And uh, that was given to another department, a department I didn't work in. And so I was shifted. And the person who headed up that department said one day a week is actually ridiculous um, and got money for three days a week. So that was better. So I now work three days a week on it and that enables me to do more work. Um, and I'm hoping in the future it will go full time. And I think we're probably heading in that direction, which is good. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Was there anyone in post before you or were you, are you the first person to have this role? There, there was somebody, I, there was a huge interregnum before I came, came on. Okay. But there, there was somebody who was kind of holding the reins on this, but I don't think had this job. Um, it, you know, I was told to start from scratch. Mm, okay. So day to day, week to week, for people listening, what does the National Disability Advisor actually do? Well, I'd love to know. <laughs> if someone could tell me, I'd be really grateful. But I mean, if you were to look at my day, uh, you know, days this week, um, I've, I've been working on the impact of COVID-19 on disabled people. Um, I've been looking at the national strategy of the government on disability and talking to people about that. I'm talking to you. Uh, I'm in the recovery group, which is relating government rec uh, regulations to the church. Um, but also been talking to people about access to ministry and leadership in the Church of England and how we can get more disabled people into senior leadership in the Church of England. Um, and um, and also looking at possibility of doing a conference on learning disability in the future. So it's been this week has been very varied. But if you ask me about last week, it would be different. Uh, so that is one of the things about having a national job uh, is that all kinds of things come across your desk, mm -hmm. and it's a bit like herding cats, really. Uh, you know that things uh, come and go and you've got to be careful to uh, keep the number of things you're working on you know quite narrow because otherwise you'll just you, know, you won't get anywhere really you won't actually achieve anything yeah and of course we've had synod recently kind of the parliament of the church of england and you have to prepare for that uh, as well questions going to the archbishop and briefings and all those kind of things. So a lot of the work is that of an advisor. I think people don't realise that an advisor is more like a civil servant, um, that you're meant to not be in the news yourself, um, that when the advisor becomes the news, as Dominic Cummings found out, that actually is not really a good idea. So I'm there to be the advisor to other people and they're the people who actually are, you know, visible. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of that, I do less speaking, I do less writing, what have you now. And when I leave this job, whenever that is, I'll actually 
do more of that but it is my hope that other people have got a profile in the Church of England because of my advice to them than you know than I can have at the moment. Yeah that's nice and also it's worth noting lots of dioceses have their own disability advisors that you chat with and encourage and kind of keep a network of um, and I guess they're doing a lot more of the like day-to-day in their parish church type thing. Absolutely and that's the way it should work so they're building relationships in their locality with their diocese and the, the staff in the diocese that you know I, I can't I can't do that um, I can't even do it in my own diocese so I'm glad that you know there are people who are you know feet on the ground uh, with their vision for their locality and that's the way it should be I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so over your time in post or even since before you were in post do you think there's been a shift in attitude of like the church as a whole towards disability and inclusion? I, I think you know when I started all this I was um, well I mean going back I was very um, involved in the um, evolution of uh, women coming into ministry in the very early days. I was writing then on masculinity and theology and was very involved in feminism and theology and what have you. And I remember us saying in those early days that this was a, you know, a pilgrimage or a campaign of 20 to 30 years. And I think uh, I said that about the whole consciousness and awareness of disability um, that this is something that doesn't happen overnight it doesn't even happen in five years or ten years Uh, it is a very long-term campaign Um, but things have changed over the time that I've been interested in disability Um, disability theology the, the awareness in theology of disability um, has become, you know, mainstream. Um, centres have been set up uh, in the States, for instance, on disability and theology. It's quite uh, um, often the case in the bigger churches in the States that you have someone who is the disability minister, who is a full-time person in the church, just doing work in, in disability. Now, in this church, we're we're still behind uh, behind the times, as it were. And often we're behind the curve of what's happening in the secular world. So as the Equality Act 2010 came in, as the media has got involved more in disability issues, sport, all those kind of things, Paralympics, as the profile of disability has gone up outside the church, you find inside the church that the awareness goes up. So we lag behind often what's going on outside the church. But actually, because people start to kind of protest as to why it's not happening in the church, then we have to re-examine our priorities. And I think that's where we are at the moment, where we're re-examining our priorities and say, what is it that we need to do now in order to um, you know, get ahead of the curve? And it's the same at the moment. Black Lives Matter has actually caused us to look at ethnicity again. And, you know, the Commission on um, 
on ethnicity, which is getting off the ground. So it's those kind of thing, things that cause us to reflect. And I think we're in the process of that, but I think it will be a long time uh, before we see major uh, changes. Mm. So given all like, your academia and all your experience, what, what would you say are your biggest frustrations surrounding disability inclusion in the church? Um, well, <laughs> sorry, put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, well, let me tell a story. I, I was once at a conference uh, where I was meant to be speaking. I came in early and the guy was just finishing off before me and he had a satellite picture of his church and um, all the houses in his parish. And if uh, this, there was a person, according to uh, obviously the public records of that area who had a disability, uh, they had a red dot on the house. And if they went to the church, there's a red dot in the church, on the church roof, as it were. Um, so there are loads of people that had, you know, that were disabled in the parish but there were none in the church. Uh, and so he asked, you know, humbly, I think, you know, what is the gospel? You know, if, if, if the gospel is good news, what is good news for people who are disabled? And I think that one of the things that frustrates me is that, um, being disabled is seen so negatively. Um, we are only temporarily able-bodied. I mean, the majority of us will have, certainly as we age, we will have an increased likelihood of being disabled or suffering from chronic illness. But to actually regard disabled people as other than us uh, is not the gospel. Um, so, I mean, Luke 14, Jesus talks about the banquet and uh, as the kingdom of God and disabled people are invited into the banquet as they are. They don't have to be healed to come into the kingdom of God. So disabled people seem to me at the, are meant to be at the heart of the church and their calling and of leadership is meant to be... Uh, just meant to be affirmed really. So they're not meant to be people who always receive ministry. They're also people who are gifted in leadership. And I think I'm frustrated to see the way in people which disabled people are excluded and often lonely, yeah. uh, how non-disabled people are awkward in talking to them because they don't know what to say. Mm. And where disabled people say, Basically, if you offered friendship, this would actually be a route into the church, you know. So I, I do feel frustrated that the simplest lessons are being not learned mm -hmm. and that disabled people are so far down uh, on the priority of the church. And this is not just about access and ramps and all that stuff. It's about attitudes um and creating bridges i think into the church rather than putting up barriers 
yeah you're really I think that's really really massive good point I I remember I wrote a paper about um like othering and the like the whole theory of othering um and I ended up just basing the whole thing on disability um because it was just fascinating and it really rung true of like the group that's considered the norm and then the other and the way that they're they're viewed and how they view each other and treat each other and all almost subconsciously because of various different factors but yeah no I think that's a really good point um what are your hopes? What are your hopes for the church? What, are, what keeps you hopeful that places are, that we're moving in the right direction, that we can dream? Like, let's end positively. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm a hopeful person. I'm a glass half full person. And um, I, I think my, uh, I, I'm hopeful because we have an archbishop who's passionate about disability issues who has a lived experience in his own family um, and is concerned about the way in which people get ordained being um, sufficiently tailored to their, their way of you know, living uh, that disabled people can get ordained and be leaders in the church. And I look forward to the day in which we will have more people in senior leadership who are disabled and are icons, I think, in the church. Um, but also I work with fantastic people like yourself, you know, uh, who, are, who, are, um, who are themselves people who are really gifted and uh, called to leadership. Uh, and, you know, I'm seeing more and more of those people, uh, you know, making their way through the Church of England and having an impact. And I think in the church, it's always the people that are important. You know, it's the community of the church rather than the building. I understand the access issues. I mean, access issues coming up in my, you know, my ears. You know. But at the end of the day, the access issues are about introducing people into the community, making sure that relationships can take place. And I think that's both my, my frustration and my hope. It is that more and more people who need to belong to the Christian community can find their way in and can be belong, can belong, find an identity and be affirmed in the Christian community. So I think that's my hope and I think it is happening. Um, but I do think it's, it's going to be, it isn't going to be to, you know, ne next year, for instance that we see it and we say we've we've arrived we'll never have arrived until the kingdom comes i think yeah yeah no you're that's you're so true um so i'm asking everyone the same question to end the podcast um so why is it everybody's responsibility to be aware and to include um well why is it everybody's responsibility because it's the gospel you know that that's it you know I, you know, it's just the gospel to reach out to people, um, whoever they are. So it's not, you know, it, it's not just disabled people. I'm now saying in another podcast the other day um, that in the church we say to everybody, what do you need in order for you to be able to worship with these people today? 
So, you know, there are all kinds of people who've got hidden disability, who have the right to privacy and all those kind of things. There are all kinds of people who are elderly. There are people who seem perfectly fit or what have you, but everybody needs to be asked that question. What do you need to enable you to worship? And some people will say, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need anything. But other people will say, well, if you really want to know, then I need this. I like that. That's so simple. It's such a simple culture to just take on. Oh, what, what, what do you need to enable you to worship here this morning? Like hmm. such an easy sentence. It's not intimidating. It's, there's no big words. There's no paperwork. Like I really like that. Hmm. Really like that. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for fitting me in. Um, <laughs> and we'll speak again, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we will, Emily. I'm sure we will. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disability in the Church podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, then you can head to the Diocese of Leicester website and search Disability Resources for Churches. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time. Bye.